This is Steve Sherlock, Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio. This is part two of a three-part series covering the sewer system. In this section, approximately 42 minutes, we get into the core of the sewer system, the historical design in lack thereof, the Beaver Street Interceptor, we spend most of our time, and we start closing out with uh, information around October 14th, touch a truck event that DPW is putting together. Uh, check the show notes for additional details on contents for this part two, and then stay tuned for part three. So, uh, yeah, so I think we've covered pretty much kind of uh, through the house. Through the house, out to the street. Out to the street. To the main, and then you've got X number of miles of mains and lift stations. Yeah. So the the system was, the sewer system was constructed in uh, around 1914, 1915 time frame. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time, it focused on the downtown area mostly. All that flow went to Pond Street, the sewer beds, uh, where the Brookview... Brookview condos now, 60, 90 condos in there where the sewer beds had been. Had been, yep. Yep. And that was in operation through 1979 when the Charles River Pollution Control District um, started uh, taking flow Mm -hmm. um, through their various interceptors from Franklin and Medway to to their uh, plant in Medway. Yeah. Uh, so since that time, uh, currently we're about 122 miles of sewer main, ranges everywhere from four inch to 36 inch. Um, we have uh, just over 3,300 manholes, um, uh, just over uh, 7,700 uh, service connections. Uh, we have 23 lift stations. Those lift stations were constructed anywhere from 1977 to 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, within those lift stations or attached to, we have five grinders. A grinder is just a device, a bunch of sharp teeth on it, and chews up the rags. And, these and these the are the stations that have historically been our major problems for rags and clogs and broken pumps. So right. eventually the problem persists so much that you spend $40,000 and put in a grinder system to, to mitigate the problem. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the cost that then obviously, you know, the users have to bear mm-hmm. just we, to upgrade we, the systems. We don't like putting those in because they're constantly running. It's a motor that constantly sure. runs as the flow comes in. Um, so it's an energy consumption. That, right. But fortunately, it's it's cheaper than having a <laughs> uh, system go down and cause right. it back up. So we have five grinders. Um, so currently, last year, our average daily flow was 2.34 million gallons per day um, with a max... Um, is usually about two times our average daily flow, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see a max during uh, you know heavy rain events, um, which we call infiltration inflow. You might hear us call it I yeah, and I. I, and I. Yep. Yeah, and we, we can kind of get into you know what the town has done. Yeah, because effectively the stormwater is generally kept separate from the sewer system, but that's that is the goal. That is the goal. That that's the where goal. some of the I and I yeah. kind of gets into that. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't have a combined system. Um, cities like New Bedford, Boston, you know, the older cities uh, with bigger drainage, bigger sewer systems did have combined systems. They're mm-hmm. working on separating those. Right. Uh, but fortunately, Franklin does not. 
Uh, but like you said, um, groundwater and rainwater can still get into our, our sewer system by, uh, um, you know, through the manholes. The sump uh, pump connections we spoke about earlier, that's one of the major infiltrators. Through, through mm -hmm. drain leaders that are connected to the sewer system. And then just through groundwater and infiltration into the pipe, you know, right. um, via roots uh, mm -hmm. or um, pipe you know, breaks, pipe damage breaks, to the pipe, joints that yeah. are loose. So the pipe technology, I imagine, has changed certainly since the beginning, 1910, 14, 15. Some of those components, compositions of a pipe is not what we're trying to do today. Yeah. You think yeah. about a 1914 Bell and Clay pipe. It's 100 years old in the ground. There's a good chance all those joints are not 100% watertight anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. It's just the fact of it. <laughs> right. So right. now with you know plastic and rubber gaskets and plastic yeah. sleeves that we Much can install. Much more tighter seal. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a more guaranteed seal. Yep. Yeah, um, like Jake said, all the pipe was either um, VC vitrified clay clay pipe mm -hmm. or AC asbestos concrete pipe. Right. Um, that was the primary um, pipe material. Mm -hmm. or uh, sewer systems back in the day. Nowadays, it's PVC. You might see some ductile iron. Um, yeah, it's almost it. all plastic. All, most, mostly all plastic. Various forms of yeah. plastic. Yeah. Um, which is just tighter. You can mm -hmm. hold it all in. Yeah. Um, so some of the things that we've done to combat that I&I uh, &I is, um, I think back in 2003, I want to say, the town started looking at, um, kind of did a whole study of the whole town, looked at flows, looked at rainfall events, and, and determined where is all this infiltration and inflow coming from. Um, and then they really focused on the downtown area. Mm -hmm. And since then, we've done, um, we're, on, we're coming up on our seventh phase of um, CIPP, uh, which is uh, basically where we put a liner in the pipe and it's, uh, it prevents any leakage from coming in. Uh, it actually structurally uh, enhances the pipe as mm -hmm. well. Um, so you might have seen them last summer. Uh, we had a crew out. Right. A lot of steam coming up yeah. from the manhole. Sorry, if I recall, yeah. along Union uh, at some point. Union yeah, but everyone's, everyone sees the plume of steam. They smell the melting plastic smell yep. that they smell. Mm -hmm. some, some have them coming up through their sewer line. Right. Um, that's all good things. Yeah. That's improvement. Yeah. So uh, we are doing that again this summer. Uh, that's going out to bid shortly. I think it just went out to bid. Yeah, just I went, just yeah. saw the notifications. I think the bid closes in mid-July mid -July, or something. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. so we'll get a contractor under on, uh, on board uh, probably by the end of July, early August, and we'll probably see them out there in the fall. Mm -hmm. This should really button up that downtown area with the completion of the seventh phase. Yes. Most of this downtown area that was flagged should now be relined and much more watertight. Mm -hmm. yep. And then um, we're also looking, so that, that kind of completes that, you know, the goal the of that original of those. study, right? Right, right. Uh, so now um, to plan ahead, we've started looking at um, area off of Pond Street, uh, which is our kind of second oldest area. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, you know, VC, a, a clay pipe, AC, asbestos cement, concrete pipe. Um, so we're looking at that area now, and we'll hopefully be able to determine, uh, you know, where our, you know, our, our uh, spots are that we can do some improvement, and mm -hmm. get good bang for our buck. Right. Uh, but Bruce likes to say we can show that we've reduced, uh, you know, our flow uh, by about a million gallons a day, just in infiltration and inflow. 
Yeah. yeah, and that has a clear financial impact. We'll get into that in a little bit Correct, more detail. Yeah. But I think just by spending the money to reduce the I and I, that reduces the flow to Charles River. Correct. And thereby reduces what we pay to Charles River. To Charles River. Yes. And the other point I was getting to, um, the foresight when Charles River was built and started, we had the foresight back then, whoever was involved, to prepare and build capacity. Um, we've been living well within the capacity since then, which is good. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> as much as we've grown, we're still within the capacity. Correct. So people should be aware of that because we see every once in a while on social saying, stop the growth, stop the growth, we can't <laughs> do this, etc. The capacity is not the issue. The permitting on the water side, <laughs> conservation measures make a difference. And I think we're one of the best efficient water users in terms of uh, per, yeah. per, per capita. Per capita, yeah. yeah per, per, per person usage is the lowest for Franklin in the area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like to your point, we can only take so much out of the out of the ground and we can only send so much to the, the sewage treatment plant. Right. So those are our limiting factors as a town and as a system. Right. Um, and they set these flow rates and how much each town can send to the sewer the sewer treatment plant when it was built. Mm -hmm. And DEP doesn't increase their permit numbers. Right. That's yeah. not something they do. Um, that's just, it's, that's not an option. So everyone has to work within those numbers that were defined back in the 70s. Right. Yeah. Um, and every every other municipality that pumps the Charles River is functioning in the 90 percentile. Franklin is working in the 70 percentile of yeah. uh, capacity that right. we're sending. So we have to constantly be monitoring that and making sure that we're not getting close to mm -hmm. these max levels and you simply can't go over them. Or you, right. DEP starts finding people. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. I mean, the the foresight that the community had back then to, to say, well, we want to, I think we own 69% of, of the capacity. full capacity. Mm -hmm. So the plant in Charles River and Medway can do 5.7 million gallons a day. We own 69% of that or 3.6 and change. And we're only doing that. And two we're something. using 72%. Yep. Um, Com as compared to our other neighboring communities, they're, the they're, using around the, <laughs> they're using around the 80s and 60s, but they're projected to be in the 90s. So projected is, um, you know, the future connections that they're um, that, yeah that they already know about, mm -hmm. right? Right. So, um, so they're coming right up against their limit, and yeah. um, and with I and I and um, and whatnot, there are times when their flow actually goes over. The you know, capacity, their capacity, the technical capacity. Yeah, yeah. It's so, not stopped. It's not stopped. They have to pay more for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and if it continued for a longer period, then then there would be some. Oh, by the way, you need to. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so our our overall budget for the sewer system coming up to this fiscal twenty four is about six million dollars. Of that, three point four is sent directly to Charles River, mm -hmm. uh, which is. Uh, that number is made up of O&M, which is based on the flow that we send to them, sure. and it's also uh, has a capital piece, which is... Because they had redone segment. their entire facility, and we can include the link in the show notes, because there was a town council meeting recently where yeah. Charles River came, did a presentation, so you got to see much more <laughs> about yeah. what's processed and what <laughs> happens to it after it goes through our system yeah. and that's, to them. 
that's probably the most important thing to back up on right now is um, Charles River se- uh, treatment plant is separate from Franklin. Correct. We don't own it. We or we we don't we don't staff it. We don't run it um, as the town. That's a, that's the district's job to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are majority owner as We're, far as money goes, sure. but the DPW and the sewer department do not oversee that plant. Right. Um, for the DPW's purview, we move sewage. Yeah. All of our 23 sewer lift stations are simply movement. There is no treatment. We're moving sewage from A to B to get it away from people's homes and get it to the plant. Um, and when it actually makes it to Charles River, it's in the district's hands. They are in full control of how that is handled, how the system is run, how the money is spent. <coughs> that's, uh, that's out of the DPW's hands. Yeah, and quickly on that, without getting into great detail, people can go and listen because she, she did a wonderful. Liz does a great job. Yeah. yeah, she is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah Liz and Kristen, they they run a good ship over there, yeah. and they're doing a great job. So yeah, yeah, and I think one of the other stats that came out, it's effectively twenty four hours. Doesn't from, stop. Doesn't stop. From the flow to eventual outflow into yep. Charles yep. River. Oh yeah, yeah. From, in terms of from when it comes piece. into the treatment plant to when it gets outflowed, yeah, about, about a day. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and it, the operation there is twenty four seven. They're not staffed, I don't think, overnight, but um, it runs automated, it's all automated, yep. and monitored. Yeah, yeah some other us. There's redundancies. There's mm-hmm. backups for everything. It's sure. never, it, it's never off. No. Yeah, no, it's quite the operation. <laughs> so, quick to re- reinforce a couple of points. Kudos for the people in the late seventies who set up the Charles River and then gave us the capacity that we're still living within. Yeah. Uh, kudos for the council over the years and town administration, then certainly all the various DPW workers, et cetera, for the I&I programs, which have continued to allow less going through by eliminating all the stuff that shouldn't be going through. And while we've spent money on that, we've effectively been saving money all that time as well. Yeah, correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we're saving money on our... on our. Um, well, instead of sending it out the door, yeah. it's staying here, we're not spending it. Yeah, so. and we're able to do more improvements. Um, like I said early on, we have, you know, 23 lift stations. Um, majority of them, you know, 70s, 80s, early 90s were mm-hmm. construction. Uh, so you can imagine they're coming of age right. and, um, you know, need some repair. And the, um, the important thing to yeah. note on those stations, there's 23 of them because this town wasn't built with a master plan in mind. You know, during these development booms, it was every developer came in and built a built a, a subdivision, and now they had to get the sewage out. Doesn't yeah. matter if it was lower or higher than the next stage of the sewer system, they had to move it. And it was at the developer's discretion what system they put in, what kind of pump station, and then the town got it for better right. or for worse yeah. to now handle. It, and raises the question, I know there's a road acceptance process. Is there something similar on kind of the station acceptance process or is it kind of built into all of that? There is now, I, th- I would say that um, most stations that get built nowadays are private. We right. don't they remain them. private. They remain, they remain private. They remain right. private. But there's still a coordination, um, collaboration in terms correct. of the design, yeah. yep. the materials, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. In the yeah. 80s? Think so. Yeah, before our times, but, and that wasn't just a Franklin thing. That was no, everywhere. that was that was yeah. the world. It was yeah. the nature of the that beast. That was just the nature of it. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, through those all those developments that kind of went on, I think we're about eighty percent, seventy-five to eighty percent sewer in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, yeah, I think one of the yeah. key pieces that some of those newer developments also do is kind of a store before sending, yes. and that alleviates kind of the the flow in peak periods 
So from a capacity standpoint, that helps us helps you and us better manage the capacity? Yeah, like Jake said, we're, we're conveying the wastewater, right? So we want right. to be able to convey it at all times of day. Uh, a lot of these bigger condo developments, like the Station 117 off of DNAV, um, when that was constructed through the planning board process, um, you know, town had them put in a, a holding tank for their sewage. So that gets pumped slowly over time versus uh, yeah, you know, during the peak times right. of you know morning and, and night and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. So yep. um, that's been a big, big help. And uh, and uh, going forward, any bigger development, that's what we look for, at least a 24-hour holding time mm -hmm. um, so that they're able to you know, hold. In case we have a problem, they can still kind of operate and then vice versa, slowly send it to us and mm -hmm. not yeah. send it all at once. And this oversight's being improved upon. The most reason what to come online actually communicates with our communication system to the nearest sewer station. So, yeah. so they yeah. know that they, so they can never run simultaneously because uh, they're both discharging to the same area. Sure. So we've actually upped it even more where this cannot happen. Our system takes precedence and when it's not running, it will then allow the private station to run so we don't overlo overload the mm -hmm. system in that specific area. Sure. So yeah, it's that was constantly a, improving. That was a unique situation just because they did discharge to the same point. Um, but yeah, I was glad that we were able to get that in. So. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. In terms of, granted, at some point in time, there was no master plan. At least now we're planning and mastering yes. what we have to well, better manage. Yeah. We're working with forward. what we have, and then there's a whole process if, if someone wants to do a sewer extension, they have to go in front of the council. Yes. There's a whole process now. Yeah. Um, so. I see those in the meetings periodically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's not too many of them. No. Um, nowadays, but. Yeah. Here, I think more of the, some of the more recent ones were the kind of the Inu case where either their septic had failed and or uh, maybe due to fail. They were also in a position where they're on a ledge. They can't, you know, expand yeah. or in, add a sewer system. So And they're close by. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. financially it doesn't make sense. So you got to weigh that out if sure. from a homeowner's yeah. pers perspective. But. Yeah. And from the perspective of, as you said, the, uh, the residents, you know, always complaining about the development and the mm -hmm. level of development um, whenever the town is presented with a larger development project um, housing and whatnot the the water and sewer department does have a fairly large say in how that affects our system sure for whether or not that is going to be permitted um, for yeah. sewer specifically we do look at where the location of the site is and what sewer stations we would then be flowing their sewage through mm -hmm. and what do those need yeah for upgrades for improvements right. and yeah. that cost is then explained to the developer as something they would have to burden sure and not on the ratepayers but right. as the developer who's going to make all that money mm -hmm. and sometimes it spooks them yeah what they would have to do downstream to make sure. the system work properly yeah. with their new load and it makes them rethink whether they even want sewer yeah yeah the devil's in the details clearly so, there's there's a whole lot of detail there and yeah it's it's a matter of the system and the safety and security <laughs> yeah the health overall. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of towns don't have that level of pull. Yeah. With the system and affecting the development, we're, mm -hmm. we're very fortunate to have that. Right. Yeah, and you bring up a good point too, and I, I think we mentioned it last time when we talked about the water system is that um, you know the common theme that we hear is you know why is all this development going in? We don't have enough water. We mm -hmm. always have to do these water bands, quote unquote. Right. Uh, I just want to reiterate, uh, because you probably saw the signs are up again. Conservation measures. Conservation measures Which is are a out. deliberate choice of words yes. to reinforce. Yes. Oh, listeners, <laughs> conservation, conservation measures. Yes. 
there have been bans, at least in the last, I'll call it, say, five years, certainly due to the fire, the fire. we talked about, and then due to the drought. Yeah. The state has implemented bans. Yeah. So those are bans. It's not the annual conservation <laughs> measures. measures. Right. Yeah. Yep, we are required to do that as part of our Water Management Act permit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a being a good steward of the land, of the resource that, you know, we're provided. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't have enough water. Right. We do. We um, need to keep it that way. We need to keep it that way. Absolutely. Um, um, we can't have everyone watering their lawn at the same time no. every day. Right. Uh, so things like that. That's why it's called a conservation measure. It is not a water band. And like you said, we will only issue water bands when we are required to do mm -hmm. so. Or if we are in, or if, if we're we are in, in some need. dire need, like right. the plant system failures and things like that, yeah. unforeseen circumstances. But the standard day to day is yeah. conservation efforts. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, and I think to reinforce at this point, it's a good opportunity. One of the importances of uh, good water, we are a groundwater community. Mm -hmm. So anything that goes into the ground, we need to be able to manage because at some point in time. That's our water supply. Correct. So I know Brutus and you probably have because that triad in terms of the stormwater, wastewater, uh, drinking water. You know, th there's a cycle there. Not yeah. perfectly so. Nature manages most of it, but it's, we have to do our it part. Comes down to the water cycle, and uh, yeah, stormwater. I know uh, your listeners are. That's the big big piece that we're looking at now. Is mm -hmm. you know how do we keep the water that falls on Franklin in Franklin? Um, and then replenish our groundwater aquifers and and so forth. So, def sorry for the sidebar. <laughs> the sidebar, but it was a good, it was whenever a, we get a chance, point. I'd like to bring yeah. that up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think in terms of, quote, the big issues, it also kind of gives us a good segue to the other big issue on the sewer side, where this Beaver Street intercepted, it's been talked of for years <laughs> because it's so old it potentially could break yeah we're finally gonna actually fix it finally gonna fix it yep. so it's excited happening. it's <laughs> happening we are uh, undertaking the largest infrastructure project in the town's history even bigger than the schools um this is uh, this is great so yeah the um the beaver street interceptor was constructed in 1914 uh, it was the original kind of interceptor. If, not, if, it, if no one knows, an interceptor is just a larger sewer pipe that, uh, picture it like the trunk of a tree, right? Sure. Collects all the branches, brings it to the trunk, and then the trunk brings it to wherever you're treating it. Right. So at the time when Beaver Street was constructed, it was going to Pond Street, went to the sewer beds. Sewer beds. Um, when Charles River came online, they constructed their Mine Brook interceptor, which connects right into the Beaver Street Interceptor and takes it up, follows the Mine Brook literally up mm -hmm. through and to into Medway. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, we're, it's almost 110 years old. Um, and um, the town started looking at it in 2003, I want to say, um, with, um, you know, just trying to understand what's the condition of this pipe. Sure. Um, this piece of infrastructure that, uh, you know, was almost 100 years old at yep. that time. So the, they've been doing that every five years up until the last um, five-ish and um, been able to see the condition of it, um, get a handle on the capacity issues, and, you know, have determined that, you know, routes and different areas and whatnot and... Um, infiltration mm -hmm. that it was time to undertake this project so right. 
Um, just kind of a brief kind of overview of what we're doing. Um, so, oh, let me just step back to the interceptor itself conveys 70% of the sewage flow in town. Yeah, that was going to be um, one of the pieces that at some point it was going to, we were probably going to do it now as yeah, well. Because yeah. in terms of the capacity management, that was one of the yeah. key reasons why a lot of those capacity managements were coming in because that was 70%. So anything that was coming through on to feed that. Yeah, you needed to watch. Yeah, yeah. so that, the that, flip side is that much capacity flowing through that one pipe is the fallout of it failing. Right, that was a big that key factor in this. And huge, yeah. Most of the the places that would initially see that fallout would be Route 140, and I'm sure everyone can agree that in 20 years Route 140 looks a little different than it did 20 years ago. Sure. So that threat has increased. Yeah. For mm -hmm. loss of you know everything, loss of business, yeah. loss of wages, loss of loss of everything for the town. Right. And, and the environmental impact that would have caused, too, if it did failure, uh, fail. Um, because of, of where it runs. Yeah. I mean, it runs along the railroad tracks. It's in a wetland. Through the wetlands, wetlands. behind Franklin Village Mall, under 495. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in a good spot. If you pick, if you pick the worst <laughs> location to put that, it's right there. <laughs> and speaking of Franklin Village, that wasn't always there. Franklin True. Village is built on fill. Right. The, the sewer main was there first. If you open a manhole behind the railery, that sewer is 40 feet deep. That's how long that manhole drop is. And right. how do you fix a problem 40 feet underground if yeah, it happens? Not, you, an extension is <laughs> not an equation. No, no. So that's, no. that, that's a whole new world of confined space Yeah, yeah. that no one wants to get involved with. So. Uh, no, no. Yeah, so faced with all those challenges, faced with the, you know, if emergency did happen, someone wouldn't be able to flush their toilet, all those things. Uh, kind of got us to where we are now under this big project of uh, the Beaver Street Interceptor mm -hmm. repair and rehabilitation. So um, what it's going to involve is we are rehabbing, so that cured-in-place um, lining mm -hmm. that we've done uh, every summer right. couple, over the last couple summers. Um, we'll have about 6,000 linear feet of that going on. We'll have about 6,000 linear feet of replacement um, so those are areas where uh, it's a river crossing or we needed to upsize the pipe a little bit uh, to prevent, you know, give ourselves additional capacity. Sure. So we have some of those areas. We are building up six million gallon per day pump station over at the, um, Beaver Street there in front of the rec uh, By the center, rec department? By the yep. rec department over yep. there. Also by the railroad tracks. So. By the railroad <laughs> tracks, yeah. Um, and uh, and if you look right at that spot, uh, right after you go over the railroad tracks, when you look to your right, you'll see our the current alignment of the Beaver Street right. Interceptor yep. as it makes its way over to Franklin Village Mall. Sure. Um, all of that will be abandoned. There's a piece that comes down behind Taco Bell that we're going to then put a new pipe in in that same kind of alignment back towards Beaver Street to get to the pump station that we're constructing. Um, so once everything gets to that pump station, then we're going to be pumping it up Beaver Street, up 140 to uh, Pond Street um, and yeah. Old West Central. Right. And that that's where... The, that's the part that the residents will notice. Yes. <laughs> Clearly, because as I understand it from the prior presentations, while 140 is now four lanes, so effectively you'll be using one lane sections at a time as the construction moves along. To construct along. that, yeah. We had looked at doing that uh, work um, you know, directional drill so that we wouldn't open cut, you mm -hmm. know, 
the traditional way. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, the subsurface geology did not allow for it. Um, so, and the, the just the area that it would take to lay down. When they do that, they need to lay down so many feet of that pipe and pre-stage it, pre it to push it, yeah. it through. And it's just constructability; it just didn't make sense. Right. We don't have any extra space along 140. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're not going to borrow 495. That's not how, that's yeah, out of the question. Correct, yeah. <laughs> um, so otherwise, so that's about 4,000 feet of 18-inch um, force main. We call it. You know, force main is just a pressurized sewer pipe mm -hmm. uh, from a pump station to its discharge point. Um, otherwise, we're looking at five railroad crossings. Of those five, three of those are pipe replacements using a jack and bore uh, method of construction. So basically, you'll have a, a jacking pit and a receiving pit, and you just push the pipe underneath the railroad. Okay. That's the MPTA's, Keolis's preferred method. Right. So we right. do that. Yeah, for those, yeah. and I recall because I was a regular commuter via the commuter rail into Boston, I remember they actually froze the ground outside South Station. They did, yeah. In order to put the extension to the Mass Pike in. And you would see these little, you know, <laughs> uh, tops of all the freeze points, I would assume. And in the meantime, they were just <laughs> pushing the tunnel sections through underneath. Yeah. And we were running trains over it all the time. Some people not knowing what's what's those things. <laughs> I, there's some good presentations out there. Me, at the, being a civil engineering nerd, I love that. Uh, it's just crazy what they did and how they figured out how to freeze the earth to, <laughs> to be able to do that. Well, because I, I think most people know, especially in that area where they were working, that's all fell. That's all fell. That's all fell. That was that, that's the only that way that they could have probably the named done for that. a reason. Yeah. It was the, the bay. Back, yeah. Yeah. So, um, fortunately, we don't have to do that here. Yeah. We're not freezing any ground. Uh, but there are monitoring requirements and whatnot. And we don't want to detract from the level of effort that goes into crossing one railroad crossing, let yeah. alone five in a single yeah. project. The permitting and paperwork on the front end is astronomical. Right. Yeah. Sure. So we got three of those. So I said there's five locations. Three we're going to do bar, uh, via Jack and Bore. Two will be done um, just uh, in... Uh, in place uh, rehab, so mm -hmm. uh, with the lining. Yeah. Um, and then we are also going to be jacking and boring under 140 from Franklin Village Mall to Pond Street. Okay. Uh, so Jake, um, Jake spoke about it uh, behind Franklin Village Mall, that sewers, you know, what, 40, 45 40 foot deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as part of this work, um, we, need to, we need to figure out a way to convey the sewage coming out of Franklin Village Mall. Um, so we're putting on a new sewer there, new 8-inch sewer behind them, uh, and then we're going to connect, um, go under 140 to connect into over where we discharge in Pond Street. So Franklin right. Village is essentially getting their own new sewer service. Yeah. Um, and we're abandoning the 40-foot deep one. The one that's already there. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. will go that away. just get filled in, yep. abandoned. Yep. And the whole plaza will have its own sole sewer, sewer service coming out of that property and across 140. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other piece over on uh, Grove Street, um, right now, um, kind of everything from, is that uh, West Central, through kind of the, the stream crossing there, is that Minebrook? Yeah, Minebrook by, uh, by the railroad crossing mm -hmm. um, on Grove Street. That currently goes under 495. We're going to be abandoning that and changing the direction of that flow to go across 140, across West Central. Down by uh, down towards BJ's. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, 
part of the challenge with that is if anyone's ever noticed in the fall winter months when you travel towards BJ's before you get to the stop sign on the right, mm -hmm. that's the sewer pipe that's sitting up above ground. It's elevated above ground. Elevated it's pipe. Elevated. That's the sewer yeah. pipe that everyone can see is on the back side of that guardrail. And we have to upsize that. And putting an elevated sewer pipe in a wetland that's, is yeah, is, that's is challenging. Fun. <laughs> so that's that's part of this project. There's going to be a, a, a larger diameter above ground sewer pipe replacing that one that you see there on the side of the road. Right. We're going to install helical piles to put these piers so that we have a way to you know support the pipe. And mm -hmm. So that, that'll be a so, definitely unique yeah, challenge. Yeah. So you have to not just transport the gooky stuff through. <laughs> But you have to support it in such a way and then weatherize it because it's yep. going to be exposed yep. and it's insulated. going through wetlands and yeah, yeah just, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. This like we said, there was no master plan. No. It just got moved. Right. This project is touching on so many different levels. It's it's phenomenal. So, okay. uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to get see it going. Um, so there's the funding that we have authorized for is $33 million. Um, Which, if I recall, was another or the SRF correct. state. We, we are getting a state loans. revolving fund loan for this. We're a housing choice community, so we'll get an uh, interest rate of 1.5%. Which is Normally great. it's 2%, so we get a half percent reduction. Because of the housing choice piece. Yep. yep. Uh, which is great. Um, and if anybody wants to do the math, 1.5% one, one on 30-something million, then that adds up fairly quickly. Yeah, it does. As opposed to four, five, six, seven percent? <laughs> yeah, right. if they were to go out on the market nowadays, right. it'd definitely be a lot higher. So. Yeah, and even with our AAA, it could still be, I think our last AAA bid was like three percent or something, yeah. which is still in the market today, a better than the five, six, seven others would get. Yeah, but it's not over one the and one and a half. No, no. Yeah. no. So, it, um, yeah, unfortunately, we're able to take advantage of that through the state, so. Um, and then we'll get some, uh, hopefully we're looking to get some loan forgiveness. Don't know what that piece is going to be, mm -hmm. uh, but that will be afforded to us by the uh, Bill Act, the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law okay. that was put put in place. Um, so kind of when all those numbers shake out, we'll get something. We'll see. I'm not sure what that's going to be. Right. But, right. Um, we did get bids in uh, for the project from contractors. Aqualine um, was the low bid, about twenty-six uh, million and change. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good. The other piece of the thirty-three million is we'll have full-time on-site, um, you know, construction resident engineers, overseers, right. kind of handling all that. And then there's a million plus in police details and flaggers for. Right, you know our local awareness and construction and and, um, and flat MBTA flaggers mm -hmm. that we have to have on on the job for those yeah. areas. So yeah, and to the extent that you've already spent effectively years doing the design, design review, evaluation, reevaluation, having an engineer on the site because heaven knows when you go underground if there's if, yeah. it's, if it's really there the way you think it is there. Yeah, plans are only as good as the de uh, data you have, right? The details and uh, yeah, you know, you need, things are found during construction, so we need someone there to be able to act, react and mm -hmm. make changes. And they're it. acting in the best interest of the town. They're the, they're employed by the town. They are there to enforce the plans the town has put forward. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we just can't be there 
every day all day. We don't have. We still we still have to run another. We still have yeah. to run the system. Right. Yeah. So we have. You to still have, have everything going on on a normal basis. Yeah. Never mind running a major project. Yep. So this yeah. this person has a lot of responsibility, and we hold them to it. Mm -hmm. um, but we we implemented this when the Grove Street treatment plant was built. There sure. was an on-site engineer there. Yeah. And they worked through many problems without ever having to deal with change orders or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're there for is to keep sure. the project rolling. Yeah. Yeah, we try to limit the change orders as much as possible. Yeah, because change orders are an increase generally. There can generally, be, it could be a decrease, could be generally very increase. It's an adjustment at least <laughs> to what was set out to Mostly be. Mostly time up. Yeah. Mostly. And we have contingency money set aside, so hopefully we don't have to use mm -hmm. all of those. But uh, like any project's going to have a change order, so. Yeah, unforeseen well, things unforeseen. will be encountered. It's yeah. just inevitable. Just yeah. trying to keep that percentage low, that's all. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's the project as a whole. Uh, Schedule-wise, um, we're still working with Aqualon to get the contract signed, but that should be done probably by the end of June. Mm -hmm. um, this summer, I would expect to see them start with some lining. Uh, so in addition to our Phase Seven program, with the smoke, mm -hmm. <laughs> you'll see uh, their contract director out there doing lining um, as well. Uh, but I think fall. Fall time is when you'll see them really start hitting the doing the road, the road, the pipeline Station. stuff. Um, stations should start spring of '24, I believe. Okay. Um, so Aqualine is the general contractor. Methuen, sub yeah, is their sub cases. for this uh, station specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so they will be doing um, the uh, the station. Um, yeah. So that's the schedule. It's a three-year time frame that we gave them. Um, so it's going to be a long project. Yeah. Um, in addition, we are bringing on, uh, we brought on uh, kind of a firm to help us out with some public relations. Yes. Some some PR aspects of mm -hmm. it. So we've developed the logo, we have a color template. Oh good. Um, and we're fully branding this project. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think people are going to like the logo. Yeah, it's, right. it's going to be yeah. fun when it's revealed. Um, yeah. But it's going to give people the ability to identify this project when it's being worked on. Um, it's going to direct folks to helpful links on the town website. Right. We're going to be keeping track of where the work is happening now, and so that will be updated. That will be updated daily. Yeah. You know, here's where the crew is on 140 sure. a day. Yeah. So here's where to expect the backups. Here's where to expect the impact. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with the railroad crossings and everything. Sure. So, and there's, at the same time, there's also going to be a direct line, a dedicated phone line for questions, for concerns. Yeah. That will be handled by the on-site people, and. We're keeping this as open and easy to communicate, and it's going to be mm -hmm. it's going to be an inconvenience for some people if they're going to yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, we aren't we aren't unaware of that. No, but no. this is going to be the best way to keep the information flowing and keep a uh, keep everybody on the same page. Yeah, because I can imagine just knowing 140, even just in the off-peak times, it can be a challenge. But and then with construction going on, moving, I don't know, call it a 20-foot 20 uh, section at a time, you're going to have half a driveway to potentially get in, yeah. or maybe at some point no driveway to get in. So whatever business is there is just, you know, temporarily out for that period until it goes by. And yeah, and, and we'll be, you know, we'll be meeting with and working with the businesses on 140 uh, constantly to, mm -hmm. to make sure that we're not uh, sure. as, much as, as much as possible impacting yeah. their yeah. business. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting that started. Um, so you'll start seeing that branding come out. Mm -hmm. I think we're looking at official unveiling or kind of launching of that uh, on October 14th. 
at our uh, Touch a Truck event. Oh, which okay. We're hold October, again. Yes, yes. So uh, put that out there, save right. the date. Uh, hey, last year was a great success. Um, we're making this year bigger. Mm -hmm. It's turned out to be a much better avenue for public relations than I think we ever could have okay. hoped. Sure. We just wanted to have some kids come and see all the trucks, but it turned yeah. into a much bigger public outreach event than we ever could well, have guessed. Well, when you get kids, then parents have to bring them, or grandparents, or neighbors, etc. But then you also have the side conversations, and that's where, yeah. I mean, that's why we're having this kind of session, so we can have a conversation, because respectfully, yeah. when you make a presentation to the council, and those are all important, <laughs> Some of the details are not necessarily covered, and that's that's where things happen. It's yeah. like, oh, that's why that is. Oh, Beaver Street. Oh, that's why that yeah. is. Yep. So, so we're going to make sure we have a big presentation or a big big presence at the Touch a Truck to mm -hmm. unveil the branding, unveil the plans, answer sure. questions. Yep. Um, we'll have actually the design engineer firm present okay. that yep. day, yep. so they can answer questions too. Um, not to detract from the fun of the day, no, but hopefully no. that's, yeah, uh, that's... There'll be some business on the side while well, <laughs> there's fun, fun going on. Kids, yeah. kids can, you know, get get their hot dogs and, you know, play in the sandbox, but mm -hmm. the parents can ask their questions, too. Yeah, we'll have the food trucks again. Um, yep. I think the kids love the sand pit. Sure. Um, oh, the sand pit, off, off absolutely. The, off the truck, <laughs> so we'll, we'll have that again. I think we're hoping to do a hayride We're going to do a hayride this year. We're oh, hoping good. to get some more activities for the kids. Yeah. Um, Hopefully more food trucks. We are going to open up the Fisher Street treatment plant for tours, Ooh. so folks can see the pre before we go in and do the okay. the, the major that overhaul. Good. That sounds good. So, you know, even if you don't have kids, this might be an right. educational little day. Yeah. Right. To come, come on, on down. down. Yep. And I assume and I'll check. Uh, you did the hydrant award winners. You're going to redo we the are, hydrant yeah, painting you, thing. Uh, going to do it again. Residents should see that come out probably after the July Fourth. We'll, okay, we'll make a push um, sure. to do the applications again. And yep. uh, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of support that we got last year. Yeah, I think we were thinking about you know a dozen or so. We ended up getting over thirty. Over thirty. Over thirty. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was uh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and we do have a few hydrants that can be painted. So yes. There's yes. plenty of opportunity yep. if you, no, you we, want we to well, be creative. We welcome the help. Our summer help is out painting now. Uh huh. Um, but they've got couple thousand on their list so <laughs> every every help every helping hand helps um and we're also going to be unveiling this year's going to be the first year we're going to be doing name the truck yes right so we have a new plow truck that came on um and figure have the kids all sure submit names and we'll We'll, we'll brand we'll it. Brand, brand, brand a truck. truck. Yep. Been seeing a lot of uh, DOTs and other yeah, communities doing that. Yeah, I think Boston that, had so. one. Yeah. Mascot or somebody. It's, it's yeah. fun. We like. I sure. Think we like we'll that. Paint kind the of name stuff. on the truck and everything. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, like I said, you'll see. That's kind of where we'll do the big unveiling of of the Beaver Street uh, Interceptor kind of public relations kind of overall project. Because mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it won't really start uh, start start until the fall. So right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think the one piece we really haven't got into great detail, at least it's only cover release, um, budget. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements, and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. 
The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.